بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم We continue the classes on the Salah described and uh, we'll begin a new chapter inshallah tonight and this uh, chapter is under the title Matters or Things Disliked to Do in Salah Things that are disliked to do or to be done in Salah يكره في الصلاة الالتفات It is disliked for one to look here and there during the salah because the Prophet وسلم, when he was asked about this matter looking here and there in salah he described it as اختلاس يختلسه الشيطان من صلاة العبد It is what Satan steals from the prayer of any one of you And in addition In addition this التفات Looking here and there Is a Unwarranted and There is no uh, excuse for doing something of this nature in principle and in principle we know that movements in Salah are disliked and also because in this there is turning away from Allah in this kind of movements because Allah, we know that Allah, when the person stands to pray then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in front of him in front of his face and that's why it is forbidden for the person to spit in front of his face in salah and this is from the bad manners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala however if there is a need and could there be yes there could be a need then it's okay and from that is what occurred with the Prophet when he sent a horseman to watch the enemy, he sent a horseman to the mountain pass at night in order to keep watch of the enemy. And when he, the Prophet ﷺ, began to offer the prayers, he was looking at the mountain pass. He was looking at the mountain pass, observing for the return of this horseman. And also because it could be also needed, and there is a proof for that, because the Prophet ﷺ commanded the person if any whispering occurs during Salah, he commanded the person in the prayer uh, to spit to his left three times and to seek refuge in Allah from the accursed devil so there is a need for that and so therefore in principle this iltifat or these movements looking here and there are disliked unless there is a need as explained and from that which constitutes a need if a woman is praying 
and she has her child and she fears for him so she looks at him to check him out for his safety this is okay and this is from something permissible here and it is a slight thing needed one should know on the other hand that looking here and there is of two types physical with one's body and intangible with one's heart as to the first one the physical is known the other one which is the al-ma'nawi the intangible this is the thing which no one is safe from and is very difficult to cure very very few are those who are saved in fact and this kind of looking here and there by the heart uh, can start from the beginning of the Salah till the end and it is in fact a stealing by Satan stealing one's Salah uh, this is evident from the saying of the Messenger وسلم, when someone complained to him about the uh, whispers in Salah he said that's a shaitan called khinzib if you feel him in salah then uh, spit to your left three times and seek refuge in Allah from that this is the first disliked matter the second disliked matter And we will discuss it even to know that it is even haram, stated to be haram by some of the scholars. And this is raising one's sight in the direction of the heavens, upward. In Salah. And this is why if the person is uh, reciting or even in Ruku' or upon lifting from Ruku' or even in any situation in Salah raising one sight in, upwards in the direction of heavens is considered to be disliked as to the evidence the evidence is in the saying of the Prophet Let those who raise their eyes upwards to the heavens in Salah stop otherwise their sight will be snatched away otherwise their sight would be snatched away so either they stop or they will be punished with this punishment their sight will be snatched away and will not return to them 
In fact, this evidence necessitates that the raising of the eyes in this direction is forbidden. Because the Messenger ﷺ warned, and his words were very strong. Then he ﷺ mentioned a possible punishment, meaning the snatching of the sight away and not returning to the person. And we know that the warning from something, when linked to a punishment, this indicates that it is haram. التحذير عن الشيء بذكر عقوبة يدل على أنه حرام This is like the warning of the one who raises his head before the imam in salah The Prophet said أَمَا يَخْشَى الَّذِي يَرْفَعُ رَأْسَهُ قَبْلَ الْإِمَامِ أَنْ يُحَوِّلَ اللَّهُ رَأْسَهُ رَأْسَ حِمَارِ أَوْ يَجْعَلَ صُورَتَهُ صُورَةَ حِمَارِ Isn't it he who raises his head before the imam in salah, afraid that Allah may transfer his head into that of a donkey, or his figure, his face, into that of a donkey. So this is Daleel, this is evidence that it is forbidden to proceed before the Imam. And also, in the other hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, regarding the straightening of the rose in Salah, when he said, Straighten your rose, or else that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make your hearts differ. And that this is dalil, a strong dalil evidence for the preponderating opinion that the straightening of the rose is wajib, is an obligation. Similarly, this hadith which we related now, concerning raising one's sight in the direction of the heavens. Now, if we say that it is haram, if we say that it is haram, then the person raises his sight in the direction of the heavens. Does this render his salah invalid? Does this render his salah invalid? The answer, the people of knowledge differed regarding this matter. Some of them said it is invalid. Because, in accordance with their opinion, this is a matter forbidden to be done in worship. And if a person does that which is forbidden in the worship, it nullifies the worship because it opposes it. And that they said also that in this there is an inclination away from the Qibla. Because if he raises his head up, then he will be facing the Qibla with his throat, not by his face. However, our Shaykh, rahimahullah, went to the opinion that 
the matter does not reach the level of uh, nullifying or invalidating one's salah. Rather, he went to the opinion that this endangers one's salah and the person is sinful for that. And that whenever a student of knowledge sees the people doing this, and this is a matter which is widespread, he should admonish them and teach them that this is haram. Because there is bad etiquette with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when you are standing in front of him and therefore you must have the proper and good etiquette and don't raise your head rather you be submissive and that's why Amr ibn al-As radiyallahu anhu said إِنَّهُ كَانَ قَبْلَ أَنْ يُسْلِمْ يَكْرَهِ النَّبِيِّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ وَسَلَّمْ كَرَاهَةً شَدِيدًا He said that before he was a Muslim, he used to dislike and hate the Prophet ﷺ strongly. حَتَّى يَقُولْ تَمَنَّيْتُ أَنْ أَتَمَكَّنَ مِنْهُ فَأَقْتُلُ حَتَّى يَقُولْ تَمَنَّيْتُ أَنْ أَتَمَكَّنَ مِنْهُ فَأَقْتُلُ To the extent that he said, I wish that I was able to get hold of him so as to kill him. فَلَمَّا أَسْلَمَ كَانَ لَا يَرْفَعُ بَصَرَهُ إِلَى رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمْ اِحْتِرَامًا وَتَعْظِيمًا لَهُ However, when he became a Muslim, he didn't <coughs> raise his head towards the Messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم out of respect and magnification. And this narration is reported in Sahih Muslim. So this is the second matter, raising one's sight in the direction of heavens. The third disliked matter is تَغْمِيضُ الْعَيْنَيْنِ تَغْمِيضُ الْعَيْنَيْنِ Closing the eyes in Salah. Closing the eyes in Salah. The reason being is that this is from the practice of the Jews in their prayers. And we are commanded to oppose resembling the kuffar from the Jews or otherwise. Especially in matters that are religious in nature. Because their religions are abrogated. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rendered them futile by the sharia of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And therefore, it is not permissible for us to resemble them in their worships <coughs> and in other things. Some people, however, mention that some people, however, mention that if they close their eyes, 
if they close their eyes, then this will be this will be a means for tranquility. The answer is this is from Shaitan. Shaitan is the one who makes him feel tranquil if he closes his eyes. Why? So as to cause him to do this disliked matter. But if he treats himself by keeping his eyes open and exert the effort to have khushu' and salah, then this would be better. But suppose that in front of you there is something which makes you not makes you not want to open your eyes because it distracts you. Then in this case there is no harm to close them in as much as needed. And if there is no need, then it is disliked. And don't be swayed by what the shaitan throws in your heart. That if you close them, then this will be more, this will render you in a state of khushu' and salah. Don't fall into this deception. So this is the third matter that is disliked in Salah. The fourth matter relates to what is known as Iqa'a. <coughs> this matter is known as Iqa'a, meaning it is disliked for the Musalli, the person performing salah to go into this position while in, in jilus, in sitting position because the Prophet ﷺ forbade this position that resembles the, the sitting position of the dog and because the person does not really firmly settle himself while in this state because this is uh, this does not give him comfort. He will get tired. Now, the iqa has different forms. The iqa has different forms. First form is to lay his feet, spread them with their upper side towards the ground. With their upper side towards the ground, then sits on his heels. And this is disliked. This is disliked. Why? Because this resembles from certain angles, this resembles the sitting position of the dogs. And secondly, it's tiring. I mean, it renders him tired makes him tired and will not settle in his sitting position. This is one form. The other form is to set his feet erected, upright, and يجلس على عقبيه and then he 
rests on both his heels, puts his buttocks on his heels. This is iqa, as the Prophet ﷺ described in Sahih Muslim from the hadith of Abdullah bin Abbas. But some scholars said that this form is from the Sunnah. That this form is from the Sunnah. That is because Ibn Abbas mentioned إِنَّهَا سُنَّةُ أَبِي الْقَاسِمِ صلى الله عليه وسلم. This is the Sunnah of Abi Al-Qasim, meaning the Prophet ﷺ. However, the majority of the scholars are on a different view. That this is not from the Sunnah. And it resembles Wallahu A'lam, and it may be that Wallahu A'lam, and Allah knows best, that the saying of Ibn Abbas was referring to a sunnah before that was abrogated by replete narrations in which the Prophet ﷺ used to lay his left along the ground and sits on it while having the right foot erected, upright position. So this is the second <coughs> form. The third, which is the closest to be identical to the sitting position of the dog, known as iqa, the iqa of the dog, is for him to erect, for the person to erect both his thighs and shins and sits on his heels. Especially if he supports himself with his hands on the ground. There are other positions of sitting which are not disliked, but they are not according to the sunnah. Like the uh, cross-legged position. This is not uh, legalized, nor it is disliked. However, it is legalized in the situation if a person prays uh, sitting and with cross-linked his legs cross-linked cross-legged position rather in, uh, as to resemble the ruku' and while in sujood he spreads them So if a person prays sitting, and in the position of ruku'ah, he cross-legs, uh, 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 he goes to the cross-leg position, and then in the sujood, he goes and spreads them. Some of the scholars said that this is mashru'ah, is legal. The fifth matter is Spreading the arms in sujood like the spreading of the dog. It is disliked to spread the arms in this manner while in sujood. Because the Prophet ﷺ said, اعتدلوا في السجود ولا يبسط أحدكم الكلب he said, be level in sujood, and none should spread his forearms 
like the spreading of a dog. Why? Because it is not fitting, and man should not resemble animals in his ways. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not mention the resemblance of man to the animals except in blameworthy cases. In as a blameworthy resemblance. In fact, in Surah Al-Jumu'ah, verse 5, Surah Al-Jumu'ah, verse 5, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, مَثَلُ الَّذِينَ حُمِّلُوا التَّوْرَاءِ ثُمَّ لَمْ يَحْمِلُوهَا كَمَثَلِ الْحِمَارِ يَحْمِلُ أَسْفَارًا The likeness of those who were entrusted with the obligation of the Torah, meaning to obey the commands and to practice its legal laws, but who subsequently failed in these obligations, is as the likeness of a donkey who carries huge burdens of books, but understands nothing from them. How bad is the example or the likeness of people who deny the ayat, the signs of Allah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also mentioned in Surah Al-A'raf, another case, in Surah Al-A'raf, chapter 7, verse 175 and 176, Allah ta'ala, and recite to them the story of him who of him to whom we gave our signs, but he threw them away. So Shaitan followed him up and he became of those who went astray. And had we willed, we would surely have elevated him therewith, but he clung to the earth and followed his own vain desire. So his description is a description of a dog. If you drive him away, he lulls his tongue out, or if you leave him alone, he still lulls his tongue out. Such is the description of the people who reject our ayat, our signs, so relate the stories, perhaps they may reflect. So, the likeness Man is not likened to a donkey except in cases that are to a to an animal except in cases that are blameworthy. So therefore, if the likeness to the animal in other than the salah is blameworthy, then by all means it must be the case and takes precedence even in salah. So therefore, what should he do? He should separate his arms from his body and lift them up off the ground. In some situations, the ulama, rahimahumullah, mentioned that if the sujood is long and it's difficult for him, then in this case, he may support himself with his elbows being on his thighs. And this is for making things easy. And this is in line with the objectives of Sharia. The sixth matter, or the things that 
are disliked to be done in Salah is the play, playing in Salah. Because there are so many bad things that can occur due to this to the to playing in salah from that is the distraction of the heart so the movement of the body is linked to the heart and in this there is a distraction from salah and we know from the hadith of the prophet والسلام, when he looked at When he offered the salah in a khamisa, which is a square garment having marks. During the salah, he looked at its marks. So when he finished the salah, he said, Take this khamisa, the square garment that had the marks on it, take it, this khamisa of mine, to Abu Jahm. And get me his embejaniya, a woolen garment without marks. As it, meaning the khamisa with the marks, has diverted my attention from the salah. Has diverted my attention from the salah. The second bad thing about this, this is really as it is called. It is called the play. And this therefore opposes seriousness which is required from the person in Salah. And the third, this is a movement by body parts. And this is not part of the Salah. Because the Salah movements are restricted to standing, sitting, rukur, sujood. As to the saying had the heart of such and such if it were uh, tranquil, khasha, then the body parts would be also in khushur. This is a weak narration. This is a weak narration. Sufficient, however, is what is mentioned concerning the play and these play movements. The next and this is the seventh matter, is known as At-Takhassur. This is known as At-Takhassur, which is uh, for the person to put his hand on the waist during the prayer, putting one's hand on the waist while standing in prayer. Because the Prophet ﷺ warned that the person should not put his hand on the waist during standing in the Salah. And this had been also uh, been ascribed to be from the actions of the Jews, as in the hadith of Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. She, there it is mentioned that the Jews uh, used to do that, or they do that in their Salah. And in fact, it resembles the situation of a person standing with his, with his hands on the waist as if he's thinking about something. He's not there. So this is known as takhassur. This is known as takhassur, and it is disliked.
putting one's hand on hands on the waist during the salah. The eighth matter is a tarawih. Eighth matter is called a tarawih for salah. The first kind of this matter is for a person to take a a fan like a wooden fan or the like which is uh, used by some people to cool off if someone uses this in salah then this is disliked using this handheld fan to cool off this is disliked because this is kind of play and movement and distracts the person from his salah however if it is needed however if it is needed if someone is too fatty and is distressed due to the heat etc and wants to ease on himself with this kind of a fan to lighten the situation uh, and freeze himself from this um, intense state, then in this case there is no harm to use it. Because of the foundation of fiqh that the makruh yubahu lilhaja, what is disliked is allowable if there is a need. As to the other thing which is التروح which means المراوحة بين القدمين بحيث يعتمد على رجل أحيانا وعلى رجل أخرى أحيانا Some of the scholars are with the opinion that this is permissible. It means it's for the person rests upon one of his feet one time and upon the other one and then upon the other one, to give a relief for each of them. To give a relief for each of them. So he alternates. Especially this is, if the time of Salah is long. And in the standing position, he stands for a long time in the standing position. However, it, the scholars who consider this to be okay, under these situations, they condition that he should not put one of the feet in front of the other, but they will be on equal level, and that this should not take place any frequently. The ninth matter is farqatul asabah, farqatul asabah, which means cracking the joints of the fingers. Cracking the joints of the fingers and giving sounds because this is from play and also it brings distraction to those who are standing next to the person in salah. This is known as farqatul asaba. Farqa asaba means fingers. Farqa, this is known as Farqa in Arabic.
and asabi' meaning fingers. This is plural of usba, finger. So this is farqatul asabi', the cracking, cracking the joints of the fingers in salah. Also, the ninth, the tenth matter. Okay, the tenth matter is tashbikul asabi'. Tashbik al asabi'. The tenth matter is tashbik al asabi'. Tashbik al which means clasping, clasping the hands by interlocking the fingers. Clasping the hands by interlocking the fingers. In salah, this is disliked in salah, and there is because of the hadith of Abu Huraira in this. Anyone who intends the going for the masjid should not clasp his hands by interlocking the fingers. And therefore, the person in salah, then by all means, he is addressed. And this takes precedence, even in salah. After salah, there is nothing disliked about this. Neither the farqa'ah, neither the Cracking the joints, nor the tashbik, nor the clasping of the hands by interlocking the fingers. Why? Because the tashbik is affirmed that it is affirmed that the Prophet ﷺ did it when he ﷺ prayed with his companions and he was praying Salat al Aisha and he made salam after the second rak'ah. After the second rak'ah, he made taslim. And then he stood near a piece of wood lying across the masjid and leaned on it. And shabaka bayna asabi'ihi. And he, sallam, then clasped the hands by interlocking his fingers. So after the finishing of the salah, there is nothing disliked about it. However, with respect to the farqat al-asabi', the cracking the joints, if he is still in the masjid, and there are people praying, then he shouldn't do that. Because of the sounds it makes, and it can distract them. The eleventh matter is it is disliked for the person, for the musalli, to pray while struggling to suppress himself from relieving it from urine. And also from defecating from nam. Also from releasing the wind, struggling to refrain himself from that in salah, in these matters, whether it's relevant to the wind, to urine, or the <coughs> refraining the uh, defecating, uh, the feces.
Because the Prophet because the Prophet in the hadith, Naha Anis Salati fi Hadrati Ta'am Al In the hadith he said that prayers should not be offered in the presence of food, meals, nor when one is struggling with uh, the two evils, the call of nature, to relieve himself. And the wisdom behind this is that there is a physical harm, there is a physical harm upon the person struggling to confine the urine and suppress its relief when it's ready to be expelled from the body, this is harmful upon the bladder and upon the nerves that hold the urine. And this is because the swelling of the bladder by this refrained urine the will cause the nerves to relax and because these are fine nerves and it may be also contract strongly and the person will not be able to relieve himself from the urine as it occurs sometimes and also there is harm related to the salah itself because the person who struggles with the urine in this manner is not able to bring his heart to present to be present in the salah because he is busy with struggling with his with this filth and similarly with respect to the defecation and the release of wind, the same thing applies. Case. If someone says, a person is in a state of wudu, and he is struggling against his urine and his wind, or his wind. If he relieves himself, And he does not have water to remake the wudu. So, can we tell him, relieve yourself and make tayammum? Or, we tell him, pray while you are struggling with your wind or with your urine. The answer is, اقضي حاجتك وتيمم. Relieve yourself and make Tayammum. Relieve yourself, then make tayammum. And don't pray while you are struggling with the urine or the wind or etc. Because the salah with tayammum is unanimously not disliked. While the Salah, while struggling with the urine, wind, 
defecation is disliked and some of the ulama considered it to be haram and they said that the salah in these situations is invalid case if someone says that he is struggling against his win and that if he fears if he relieves himself he will miss the congregational prayer so could he pray under this condition so as to attain the jama'ah or should he relieve himself even though he may miss the congregational prayers the answer he should relieve himself and make wudu even if he may end up missing the jama'ah because this is a legal excuse because this is a legal excuse and if this occurs to him during the salah then he may leave the imam case if someone says the time is being restricted it's getting close to its end and he is struggling against one of, his, of these evil things if he relieves himself and makes wudu then the time will be over and if he prays before the time is over he will be praying while struggling with these evils should he then make the salah in this situation or relieve himself and pray even after the time is over the answer if the salah is of the type that can be combined with the next one with that which comes after then let him relieve himself and intend combining the prayers and intend combining the prayers because in these situations combining the prayers is permissible now suppose this salah is not followed by one in which he can combine like for example as if he was in Salat al-Fajr or in Salat al-Asr or in Salat al-Isha there is no Salah after to combine it with here the ulama had two opinions the first opinion is that he should pray even with struggling in order to preserve the time and this is the opinion of the majority of the scholars this is Qawl al-Jumhur the, the opinion of the majority of the scholars the second opinion is that he relieves himself and prays even after the time is over and this opinion is the closest to the basics of Sharia to the principles of Sharia because there is no doubt that this is from the ease and so here if he is struggling and fearing himself 
fearing for himself the harm and also distracting him from Salah. There is no doubt that with intense struggling whereby he doesn't understand what he is saying. There is no doubt that in this case he believes himself and there should be no ikhtilaf under this intense situation. The next matter, the eleventh matter, Salah is disliked, this is the twelfth, okay, okay, in the presence of food that the person likes, and he is inclined to it. However, there are three conditions to this, there are three conditions. First, that the food or the meal should be present. First, the meal should be present. Secondly, himself is inclined to it. He likes it. Thirdly, he should be able to take it physically and legally. Look at this. He should be able to take this meal physically and legally. So, if the food is not present, the meal is not present, but he is hungry, he should not delay the salah. He should not delay the salah. Because if we say, okay for you to go and to delay it, then this necessitates that no poor person will pray the Salah on its time. Because the poor is always hungry. And not that, he may not even pray. Because he's always hungry. And always eager to have food. So, therefore, if the food is not present, and he is hungry, then he should not delay the salam. And if the food is present, but he is full, he doesn't give it attention, then let him pray. And there is no karaha, there is nothing disliked about his action in this case. There is nothing disliked about his action in this case. Similarly, if the food is present, if the food is present, but he is prevented from it either physically or legally. How legally? For example, fasting person. If the food is brought, the food for breakfast, for breaking the fast, the meal for breaking the fast, is brought before him. At the time of Salat al-Asr, at the time of Salat al-Asr, and he is hungry, very hungry, we don't tell him, don't pray until you eat it after Ghurub al-Shams, after sunset, 
We don't tell him that. Right? You understand? Why? Because he is legally prevented, not allowed to eat it. There is no, there is no point in waiting. There is no point in waiting. Similarly, if food is, is brought for someone else, and he really likes it, likes to eat, to eat it. <clears throat> in this case, it is not disliked for him to pray. Why? Because he is legally prevented from taking this food. Then there is nothing to be disliked about him praying under this situation where food is present, but it's not for him. You understand? Now, this is from a legal, pers- from a legal perspective. How about physical perspective? So, example. If he is offered a hot meal, which he cannot eat, can he pray? Or should he wait until it cools, then eats, and then pray? The answer is, pray. In this case, the salah is not disliked. Because his waiting is meaningless. There's no point in that. Is that also clear? This is from the physical perspective. This is from the physical perspective. Similarly, similarly, if food is brought or a meal is brought to him, and it is his. However, there is someone, transgressor, oppressor, preventing him from eating it. So here we, it's not disliked for him to pray. Because he's not going to benefit from not praying because the food is physically prevented from him. Is that clear also? So therefore, in short, the matter of meals which the person likes requires three things. Three conditions. Uh, being present, the person is eager and likes to and is inclined to, and the ability to take it legally and physically. The saying of the Prophet ﷺ, لا صلاة لمن بحضرة طعام There is no prayer for the person who... Uh, in the presence of a meal. Some had concluded that this negation here is a negation of perfection and that it is dislike for the person to pray under this situation. However, if he prays, then his salah is correct, is valid. This is the opinion of the majority of the scholars. This is the opinion of the majority of the scholars. And some of the scholars said, no, the negation here is a negation for validity. So if he prays while um, uh, struggling against the urine and wind or defecation, such that he does not comprehend what he says, then his salah is invalid. And this is a strong, a very strong opinion. Because his salah under this situation is forbidden the 13th matter repetition of the Fatiha 
repetition of the Fatiha. Now, repetition of the Fatiha. The opinion is that it is disliked to repeat the Fatiha twice or more. And the reason is that this is not related from the Prophet ﷺ, the repetition of the Fatiha. And the one who repeats the Fatiha, thinking that this is a means of worship, there is no doubt that he is doing something disliked. Because had this been the case, then the best of mankind and best of creation, the Prophet ﷺ would have done this. However, in some cases, if a certain description is missed and he repeats it to correct for that, then in this case it is permissible. For example, he repeats it because he forgot and then he recited it secretly while it was allowable for him to make it loud. As this happens with some imams when they forget uh, the recitation of the Fatiha secretly, in this case, there is no harm in repeating it from the beginning so as to fulfill the legality of reciting it loud. Also, if someone recites it and not, is not being mindful of it and he wants to repeat it in order to bring his heart to the recitation in the next recitation. So, this is something considered to be allowed meaning the presence of the heart. However, the ulama caution, if he feels that this may open for him a door of whispering, then he should not do. Because this indeed may open for many a door of whispers, such that if he begins to recite the Fatiha and then he becomes heedless regarding one verse in it, he repeats it. And if he becomes heedless another time, he repeats it, the third, the fourth, etc. So if he makes it hard upon himself, then Allah will make it hard upon him. This is the situation with respect to the repetition of the Fatiha. Then inshallah ta'ala the next time we will talk about uh, things that may be done in the Salah. Wallahu ta'ala ala wa alam wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam.